This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion, addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at standupforthetruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Hey, brothers and sisters, the remnant in Christ, you guys, you troublemakers, you truth proclaimers and defenders, I love you. Thank you so much for tuning in this morning. Got a very special uh, podcast, very special guest. And before we get into the topics, plural, I want to remind you the Prophecy Conference in Appleton, Wisconsin, called Perilous Times, coming up September 9, 10, and 11. The schedule is up on their website, ccappleton.org. And, of course, if you guys are going to be there on Saturday, September 10th, I'll be kicking off the day, it looks like, 9 a.m., so I'm looking forward to speaking there, and hopefully we'll see you. We'll meet some of you guys in Appleton on September 9, 10, 11. So in the third segment today, we're going to be talking about a couple of important things. We've had some several pastors on this podcast that um, did not bow down to government and close their churches, and a couple of them were arrested uh, up in Canada. Um, one, Tim Stevens, was arrested in front of his family and taken to jail. But we're going to talk about what a couple men are doing, several of them, in America, a new statement called Acts 529. And there's a time to preach and there's a time to fight. Fight meaning speak the truth, keep your churches open, do the work of the, the church, and um, don't shut your doors, even if the government tells you how to worship and what to do and what you can't do. Also in the third segment, unknown cause is now the top cause of death in Canada. That's interesting. Think about it. What are they trying not to address? We're going to talk a little bit about that. I mean, this is proven now. I've got some records here indicating that uh, dementia uh, is, is now fallen to the number two spot, COVID-19 number three, heart disease number four, but ill-defined and unknown causes of death. Now the number one in Canada. Also, there's some data that has come out showing the vaccinated are at a higher risk of dying from COVID. You heard that correct. And because of that, one province in Canada stopped their monthly reports. <laughs> There's a reason for all of this, guys. Oh, and they, they call what we talk about misinformation. Anyway, we are so blessed. Um, we just kicked off a brand new video show at Freedom Project Media called Educated. We just kicked it off yesterday, and I've got Katie Petrick here today. She's a millennial, but she's okay. She's cool, friends. Um, she participates in a local community. She cares about the health of the American Republic. And while completing a master's degree in political science at Northern Illinois University, she taught undergraduate courses in American government and political statistics. And before completing her education degree and becoming a contributor at Freedom Project, Katie served as an editor of a weekly newspaper, so she gained a little bit of insight into local education and politics and, of course, the massive media bias I often call media malpractice. Katie Patrick, welcome to Stand Up For The Truth. Oh, David, such a nice introduction. Thanks for having me on the show. <laughs> so you're welcome, Katie. Now, well, we're working together now. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about the new uh, program, Educated, but I, I want to focus on the millennial aspect of your being, and you're you're, you're calling. Or you're, we're talking to you from a coffee shop, and so you're in Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. Freedom Pro Project is in Appleton. You're there a couple of days a week to film. So tell us a little bit about your loving coffee shops, and you're, of course you're a millennial, so you do a lot of work there, and you probably get a lot done. But tell us a little bit about that, and then they've got an event tonight. So tell us uh, a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, I am. I call this my office here. Reach out, solid grounds. It's in uh, Fond du Lac. It's just off of Highway 41, uh, the Johnson Street exit. You get here very quickly. Um, but I like to say because yes, I am a millennial. Everyone raves on me for that. I don't have the mind of a millennial. I'm more of a boomer at heart. But um, in terms of you know different generations, they would go to the bar. To drink, well, I, my bar is a coffee bar, <laughs> and I drink lots of, you know, shots of espresso. But uh, I just wanted to thank you for allowing me to, to talk about Reach Out, because I love this place so much. It's a Christian bookstore down here in Fond du Lac, and uh, so it just has, you know, a great atmosphere. And tonight, actually, they have 
the Worship Outside the Walls, wow, <laughs> is the event. Cool. And they're doing it's uh, free music in the parking lot, free dinner. If you want free dinner, I mean, who wouldn't? Um, it's from 6 to 8 p.m., and they're even doing specials in the coffee shop, you know, buy one, get one, half off and all that. So come on down to Fond du Lac if you're looking for something to do tonight and uh, have a, a wonderful experience. Um, they'll do a lot of prayer, uh, praying, and they'll do, obviously, worshiping outside the wall. So that's, it's, it's going to be a fun event. That's awesome. I've been there. It's been years since I've been there, but I remember it. Reach out, and um, it's very yeah. very easy to get to. So that's in Fond du Lac. Uh, support. If you're in that area, I'd encourage you to support Christian businesses such as uh, Reach Out. So, Katie, um, we had a blast yesterday. We kicked off a brand-new <laughs> show educated but before we get to that let's go back a little bit since this is your first time actually we had you and dr duke pesta on the podcast a couple years ago promoting uh freedom project academy but this is the first time you're on as a guest so i want to talk a little bit about just your background and a little bit about what you shared in uh, one of the tapings we did yesterday uh you went i think to london so tell us a little bit about your background well i i come from you know a farming family grew up out in the country, um, but I always wanted to, I, I always want to learn. That has always been my passion of life. And so any opportunity I have to learn, I take it. And so that has led me into a variety of, you know, hobbies and jobs and everything else. But I always really somehow, some way got interested in understanding government. And so I had the opportunity um, when I was doing my original undergrad to a uh, degree at the University of Wisconsin Stevens Point where they would let you do internships abroad in London. And so I was like, hey, if, if I'm going to get an internship and it counts as a study abroad, it's kind of like a two-for-one in my book. <laughs> and all it was, it was nice. I, I was a um, political science major and double major with communication. And I, I was like, well, what would I want to do in London? Is it, any, is it possible to get an internship in Parliament? And, and I did. Um, and they were able to give me a placement. And so I got to spend the summer of my, I guess, before my senior year, doing an internship with one of the members of parliament, hmm. which was a, a, a crazy experience, but it, it really taught me not only a little bit about government and how just, you know, like a federal government type structure, like, you know, the top, but uh, understanding how England works a little different than what we have in the U.S. Yeah. How we're the same in some ways, but how we're all very different. So it was just a really good insight and I learned a lot. Um, it was a lot of fun. Well, that's amazing. So uh, before we get into some topics, Katie, uh, you are you also do a little work in the apple orchards, and you <laughs> actually are part of uh, farmers markets. And uh, tell us a little bit about that, because people <laughs> that see you, that know you from Freedom Project, just these, these uh, videos on education and politics and culture, uh, they go, well, "You're kidding me! This 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 uh, woman works on a farm, so they can't picture yeah. it." So share a little <laughs> bit of that. Like, like I said, I love education and learning. So I find myself throwing, you know, caution to the wind and going into things that maybe I don't know if I, uh, I would otherwise if I wasn't just so into learning about new things. So as a, a child, um, I worked with, you know, on my parents on the farm and we just cash crops. So I've always been uh, into, you know, how do crops work? And I had the opportunity to work with a, a local produce farmer. And so that got me into working at farmer's markets. Um, and I worked out on the farm with him um, for a summer. But I would do the farmer's market for the past, I don't even know, six, seven, eight years at this point. But I always, as a child, had the dream, that's the dream down here in, in the Fond du Lac area, to work at what we call Little Farmer. It's out in Malone. Um, it's on the east side of the lake of Lake Winnebago. And uh, basically, it's an apple orchard, but it also is, you know, caramel apples. And we have a bakery, and we have a coffee shop, and mm -hmm. we have animals, and we have all these things. And so... <laughs> It was always my dream, and you know what? I went for it, and I, I, I did it. And so now I work there every fall, which wow. is just a fun hobby job for me. <laughs> oh, that's neat. That's neat. So people can uh, check you out down there and uh, mm -hmm. support the farm, support your local farmers and, and orchards and uh, small family businesses. So uh, one of the things, Katie, now we, we have to transition because this is what we've been talking about so much, and it is, it's nonstop. We could, we could do many podcasts. We could do a lot of episodes of Educated and talk about these issues from academia at the university level, which we're going to talk about Yale and, and others, and then into the public schools. And I think sometimes people get fatigued hearing this, and they get a little disheartened. So I just do want to mention to people that we do have an article from The Federalist I thought was very helpful called, If You Can't Change Your School, Do These Five Things Instead. 
So we're going to get to that, but I, I want to talk about something. One of the more disturbing articles that we talked about, you and I did uh, yesterday. Over at Yale, uh, they've got a pediatric gender program that treats toddlers. So children as young as three are being treated with gender medical intervention. Let's stop right there before we get into the details. Katie, they're changing the language. We mentioned this. Medical intervention, it sounds like they're coming in and really caring about the health of these young children and toddlers, and they're really intervening and saving them, but they're doing just the opposite. Just your thoughts on the language change and just how dangerous this is, but it's happening at Yale. Well, it's happening at Yale. It's happening everywhere. And this is where parents really need to wake up. It's no longer, uh, oh, maybe your kid thinks he's a boy or thinks he's a girl. It's a tomboy. Like, I, I growing up, I was a tomboy through and through. And I actually have thanked my mom and dad. for. And I said to them, thank you for not trying to transition me yeah. into something because <laughs> – now parents are being pressured all the time. Well, what if what if my girl's a boy and my boy's a girl? And, and they don't. And instead of doctors being like, "Hey, it's a phase," like they're affirming, they call it now gender affirming hmm. programs, gender affirming. And so, mom and dad needs to, to they need to wake up and see the language that is being used that they are trying to use makes it makes you feel better. Well, it's it's you know the gender medical intervention. It sounds pretty on the outside like hey this is something that is necessary mm. but clearly what they are doing is twisting the language yep and and not telling you truly what is happening because if, if they said gender mutilation it doesn't sound as pretty to them so instead it's you know gender medical intervention and, and, and mom and dad if you don't understand that then you you're going to be in for a rude awakening as to what they may be doing to your kids and this is at a major university, Yale. So yes. it is happening in other places, but the doctor is Christy Olazeski. She's the director of the program, and she said uh, that the, she works with gender-expansive individuals 3 to 25 and their families, and the aim is to, quote, help individuals who are questioning their gender identity or who identify as transgender or non-binary. Katie Patrick, a three-year-old, a, a six-year-old, a nine-year-old, has no idea what they're talking about. They're not going to think about these things. So it's the, the culture around them. Sometimes it's their parents who are complicit, but it's the culture around them that's bombarding them with these ideas that they're too young to understand. Your thoughts? We have had this, this has been a slow growth for decades at this point. It started, you know, it used to be those who were the fringe were the people thinking like mm -hmm. this, and now they are becoming the mainstream. And the rest of us who understand biology and who understand what God made us to be are the fringe. It's completely reversed because they've been so, these people who, who push this thing, the Dr. Christie Olazeskis of the world, have been pushing this slowly for decades and decades, and now they, they have it in their grasp, essentially, and they are able to just out in the open and, and say, hey, at Yale University, which once was a prestigious university where people actually got an education that was of value, now they're just pushing this on to three-year-olds, like mm. you said. Three-year-olds have no understanding of what is even happening in the world no. around them, much less thinking that a boy is a girl or a girl is a boy. And the, when we <clears throat> found this story, I was blown away by the fact that Yale University has a pediatric gender program to begin with. Mm -hmm. gender, pediatric gender program, and that their director is this Dr. Christy Olazeski. But I guess I was reassured a little bit by some of the quotes we got from some of the students at Yale. <laughs> yeah. It seems that the students at Yale, actually, the Gen Zers, uh, were way smarter than this doctor and anyone who works for this, you know, gender program that they have there. So I was, I was very, uh, I guess, optimistic that maybe we still have some Yale students who, who have some brain cells working and, and think that this is even just just crazy talk essentially. Yeah, there's probably a minority of them who who do who do think for themselves and question this. I mean, one of them has said something that was very interesting that they they're not considering at Yale the long-term ramifications of what they're calling quote medical interventions. But okay, so let's talk about the parent of a 3-year-old, a 5-year-old. And they've done these surgeries. Um Katie, the parents must be in their 20s. 
um, maybe 30s, but let's just say mid to late, okay. mid to late 20s, early 30s. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a generation that has already been given over to this kind of propaganda and thinking when it comes to the removal, removal of God, get God out of the way and truth and fix moral absolutes. And then now it's gender policy, whatever you want to be and please yourself and affirm. So the parents oftentimes are doing this to the youngest of children. So this is an interesting twist now, isn't it? It is. And it's fascinating you say it because I am in my mid-30s and (laughs) I have an almost three-year-old. So I can attest to this. Um, I think there, and I've always said this, there's a a significant difference between those of us who remember life before the Internet and then when the Internet came into to being, really. And so we are at a, a point where we have a new generation of parents who have, in general, I'm kind of an outlier, but who are in their late 20s, early 30s, who have the three-year-old, four-year-old, and they only have ever understood the Internet, mm. which means they've always only been online. And so they look at it as social media. And the influence on social media for them is that is life to them. They don't remember a time when they didn't have Internet, like a fake world, essentially. Mm. And then we, because I am just at the edge of that, we understand that there's more to life than just being on the Internet and uh, and appeasing those on the social media. And so I think a lot of these parents are scared Mm -hmm. to do anything that would basically you get shunned or canceled on the social media. And so they're, they're trying to, instead of thinking for themselves, they are trying to appease the show, what would be the social media mob. And they bow down to them. And you see that in their, you know, TikTok videos they put out there. They put Facebook videos, Instagram videos, like all of these things to appease their mob of social media. Mm-hmm. And if they go any other direction, they just don't know how to operate unless they're doing that, which that in itself is a very scary thought Yes. for us moving forward. And only, again, the only positive I do see is there are the younger generations now, the Gen Zers kind of coming up a little bit, the younger ones, rebelling against it because it's not cool to them anymore. Oh, their parents are on social media. They almost <laughs> rebel and say, I don't want to be on it, which is a good thing. Yes. It's just kind of weird to think of it like that. Yes, when would rebellion against parents be a good thing? Is well, when your parents yeah, are I, are deluded and they're and they're you know, anyway. Um, we've yeah, got. I think that is. Yeah, we've got a couple minutes left in this segment, and um, one thing we had yesterday was an amazing podcast, Katie, with a former transgender. Her name is Laura Perry, and she went through nine years of the name change, the hormones. She even had the operations. She cannot have children, and then she came to Christ. She's now in ministry in Oklahoma, and she met a man, Perry, who is her husband now, and they got married in May. It's an amazing story of victory, but she shared her heart. She shared about the consequences of this lifestyle, and then it permanently damages you, your physical body, forever. Some things, she, and she said, she said, uh, so our bodies, we're not like Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head, where you can just remove a part and put it back. She says, this is very serious. So it was an amazing story. But we talked, Katie, about at least 13 U.S. hospitals now perform gender transition surgeries on minors. And we went through them, 13, from California to New York to Chicago. This is where we're at today. So parents need to understand your children are going to be hearing, your kids are going to be hearing about this because they're trying to popularize it. In the last minute and a half here, we're going to have to open up the next segment and talk about that Chris Rufo article on gender theory coming to the heartland. And then we are going to talk about what parents can do as far as um, if you can't get your kids out of the public schools, there are some some things you can do to get active. So, Katie, uh, what advice would you give young parents? We just got like a minute, minute and a half, and we'll go into the the break, on just trying to keep yourselves just sane and balanced when it comes to hearing so much of this that's coming against their kids. Well, I think parents, first and foremost, need to focus in on their own family, look inward and don't look out to the greater world Mm. to determine what path they should take. You know, God tells us to look to him always. Don't don't be worried about this world. Worry about his world. And so I think parents need to get off social media, quite frankly, more so than they I know they don't want to. But always remember that it's, it's not about what is happening here. It's always what's happening uh, in our, our eternal life. So That's if right. you can just step away from social media. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. 
Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Katie Patrick is our guest today. We're kicking off a brand new show over at Freedom Project, and she is my co-host, or I should say I am her co-host, and the program's called Educated. You can go to, uh, what is it, stayeducated.org. But I tried it this morning, Katie, and the, it wouldn't let me go there. It was blocked. The website was blocked because it was a, oh, no. a, a, a new domain or something, and they were suspicious of it. You know, probably they knew it had maybe kind of like a Christian worldview behind it or something, oh. or it was too conservative. Mm-hmm. But anyway, you guys can go to freedomproject.com. So we're going to talk about radical gender theory coming to the heartland, but I think what we need to do, I just want to make sure we talk about what parents can do who cannot get their kids out of public schools. So I want to read the takeaway from a great article from Jill Simonian over at The Federalist. And here's the takeaway. And then, Katie, we'll we'll just talk about five bullet points that she shares. So she writes, In many cases, sending our children to schools is no longer stable or safe if we're seeking a true education. As a former PTA executive board member, a regular attendee, and speaker at school board meetings, and a longtime supporter of our prior district, I unabashedly commend any and all parents who rescue their children from our blatantly hijacked education system. If pulling them from the system is not an option, then it is imperative that parents get in to opt out, to question, and to assert parental rights and reject what we know is wrong for children. And she finally says, be brave this back-to-school season. So that was how she concluded the article. And, Katie, just your thoughts on that important thing that parents need to really do, unfortunately, a lot more work than they needed to do 50 years ago. Absolutely, they need to do more work. And the first thing, first and foremost, is just parents, pay attention. Pay attention, listen to your children as to what is happening. Uh, Too often, we've done this for decades now, and this is why we've gotten to the point we are, is parents send their kid off to school, put them on the bus in the morning, they get back around 3.30, and they'll go have dinner and go to bed. Like The parents need to be active in the children's lives and really understand what's happening. This mom, Jill Simonian, she actually was doing videos for PragerU kids, hmm. and she said that she was off teaching America you know, what education should look like, but she said her own children's education was an absolute mess. Wow. So she wasn't even paying attention within her four walls at home. And when she woke up to it, she said, oh, I don't know that I can be that mom. And maybe moms and dads, I, I know there are many moms and dads out there who say, I would love to pull my kids out of school, but I can't do that. I can't teach them. Well, number one, yes, you can. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, you can. That is absolute. That is mom and dad. You know your children better than anyone. You will advocate for your children more than anyone. You will love them more than anyone. That's mm-hmm. first and foremost. And if you have all that, you are already way out succeeding anything that those schools can provide your children. And so parents just get scared that I can't do that, but you can. And this is what Jill said. She said, I couldn't do it, but she found herself after being involved. You you read about how involved she has been at school. She's like, I can't do that anymore. And so number one, parents pay attention, get involved, see what's actually happening. And then you will build that confidence into saying, I have to do this for my children. It's not for me. It's for my children. Yep. By the way, here's a plug for Freedom Project Academy, and there's many other good online uh, schools, classical Christian education, that you can check out. I know it might be too late for this fall semester, but it's fpeusa.org. So, Katie, I had Sam Sorbo on the podcast a couple times, and I'll never forget, she said, I graduated from Duke University and I was afraid to homeschool my kids. I'm going, what? You graduated from Duke. What are you talking about? Because it is intimidating for parents that just really don't understand that they can do this at home. But let's talk about this uh, article and five things that parents can do. She said, our family began a new faith-based America honoring classic education. And she says, I realize opting out of public education is not truly possible for all families. So what should you do if you, Christian parent, Uh, I put that in there, can't opt out of government-run schools. Number one, examine emergency forms. And I'll let you talk a little bit about each one, Katie. Number two, opt your child out of SEL, sex ed, and DEI. Um, 
it's amazing that they even put those out there right now. But anyway, number three, file a FOIA request now. Number four, volunteer in your child's classroom and library. And number five, don't waste time or don't waste driving time when you take the kids back and forth. So, Katie, number one, uh, can you explain what's what, emergency forms? What do they have to do with with anything? Why did she suggest parents need to review standard emergency forms? Well, now is the time when, you know, it's back to school time. You go to the open house or what it may be uh, right before school starts for your children, and they are going to throw paper after paper at you. And you may not pay attention, Mom and Dad, because you have so many papers. Every kid that you have, they just throw it all, and you just sign sign off, oh, parent signature here, 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 and here. Well, now is the time, Mom and Dad, that you are going back to school as well. You have to look at every one of these pieces of paper that are – you know, what they're calling these standard medical treatment or consent forms, because unfortunately we are at the point now where within those forms, it may say, oh, I give the school permission to give any medical guidance or procedures, uh, you know, that, that if the teacher or the nurse feels fit, to, yeah, you can do that. If you sign off on that, mom and dad, you just consented to the possibility that they are going to intervene with your children and really not tell you what they're intervening with whether it's, you know, the gender-affirming practices or any other number of, of things that you actually don't approve of. But because you signed that form, you consented. So take a look at each wow. one of those forms so that you protect your children. And I know it, it may be a pain because it's so many forms, but look at the ramifications if you don't pay attention now. That's right. And let's talk about some of these forms. I know some schools, I, I don't know, I think it's different from state to state, maybe you can correct me, that some parents cannot opt their children out of sex ed. Um, but number two is opt your child out of three things, SEL, sex ed, and DEI. It's amazing that they just, she put that in there, just the, the uh, initials. But social-emotional learning, gender nonconforming initiatives, then DEI, we talked about that. What is DEI? Diversity, equity, and inclusion. And, of course, sex ed. These are, you know, programs that are really have little to do with true education. So, Katie, why is that important to opt your child out of these things? Well, it depends on your state. Like you said, there are states that allows basically parents still, thankfully, to opt their children out of getting this social-emotional learning type garbage and this, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion, all the acronyms that they like to put out there, uh, all the language that they use to indoctrinate your children and to do, you know, certain sex ed education, as they call it, but indoctrination. And there are still states, thankfully, again, that allow you to opt out, and you need to make sure, Mom and Dad, that you are opting out. That is definitely one that you need to tick that box saying, I do not give the school permission to teach radical sex education to my 5-year-old or my 10-year-old or my high schooler even because it's pretty insane, and that's what we talk about on Educated. All of the insanity, going back to Yale University, 3-year-olds getting said education about gender medical practices. So... Mom and dad, pay attention to what the forms are. And, and honestly, if you don't aren't given a form, this is when you go and ask. Mm-hmm. Go and ask the school. Tell them that you want to see the curriculum because if you're at a public school, you have every right to go see the public or the uh, cu- curriculum because it is a public school. Know what they're teaching in your kids' classrooms. Yep, and what they're doing in there. Because I like Matt Walsh says every classroom should have a, a camera that parents should be able to access at any time, but they'll never allow that to happen. Uh, one more thing: these programs are proven code language for victim versus oppressor education and activism. And what you just heard, friends, that's really Marxism when you talk about oppressor versus the oppressed, and that's what what turns into activism. So really quick, we've got to go to a couple more points, Katie. Another thing she recommends is file a Freedom of Information um, request, FOIA, file that. Now, what does that do? Yeah, so get get it on the paper now. A FOIA request, uh, because we're talking about public school system here, uh, you have the right to get information from them. You can get access to the emails that are sent. You can... Uh, between teachers or the administration, you have the right to look at the curriculum in detail. What are they supposed to be teaching? You have the right to find the paper trails and figure out what's actually happening. So get your FOIA filled out now and ready to roll, basically, because unfortunately, if and when that happens that you need it, 
you'll be ahead of the game because these requests take time for them to supposedly gather up the documents. I've, I've done that personally, filed FOIA requests, and it can take a little bit of time, wow. especially depending on the bureaucracy that goes into yeah. whoever's figuring it out. So get it written down now. Get mm-hmm. it started to fill out. And, and PragerU actually has resources, and I'm going to plug them because Good. they have a parent action guide, and it'll help you figure out what the steps are necessary to, to really put it uh, into action. So number four on this uh, list is volunteer in your child's classroom and library. We've talked so much about the books. It's actually unbelievable, some of the books that are available to uh, teenagers and younger. It's, 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 they're, they're perverted. It's pornographic. But So volunteer, how does a parent do that? Well, I actually love this one personally because I'm a librarian's child. So <laughs> I have a love of books. Um, Makes and sense. obviously I love to volunteer as well. So if you want to have eyes in the classroom, volunteering is the best way to do it because then you are there. You are seeing it firsthand accounts as to what is happening. Um, and, and parents, if you, especially in the library, see what books are on those shelves. See what they're offering to your children, because especially at the elementary age, I mean, I remember I loved the day we got to go to the library and pick out our books, and we had our little ruler to mark our spot on the shelf. And so those were the the days when your kids are going to be picking out whatever it is they want to read. And if the only options they have out there are things that you as mom and dad do not approve of, then you're in real trouble because those books may never come home to you. They're not going to be seen in the curriculum that you have the right to see. But if they are options for your children, they may be getting more indoctrinated. So get in the library yourself. Volunteer. Schools always, as they say, we don't have enough money for anything. So they would love for you to volunteer, or at least they should, to help out in the library, to help out in the lunchroom, help out at recess. See what happens. Go firsthand account. Yep. And they said when the volunteer sign-up sheets are distributed, check the box for classroom and library volunteers. And finally, Katie, it says don't waste driving time. What does that mean? Well, basically, she's she's talking about how, you know, you're tired, you're you're in the car, you'd rather just listen to music and kind of zone out. Maybe your kids are yelling in the background. <laughs> Mom and Dad, anyone have that experience? Um, <laughs> you'd rather do that than actually, you know, talk to the kids about kind of your family values and really dig deep into to what your family believes in and have hard conversations with with your kids. Um, but she's saying, don't waste that time. This is your opportunity to talk to them really understand what's happening in their lives, uh, share with them, you know, how your family, what your family's values are and how, you know, you value freedom and you value hard work and responsibility and all these things and really ingrain it um, into them. And so use driving time as an opportunity. Amen. It's up to those parents. You guys, I know you've got, if you have young kids in the school system, uh, my heart goes out to you, but you've got to be active and stay engaged. So, we are not going to really have time to do both of these articles, Katie, that I, I teased at the top of the podcast the, about Biden's student loan bailout, which is socialism light. Uh, actually, no, it's just socialism. And the other one on, on Chris <laughs> Rufo. I think I'll do that another time since we spent time talking about it with Laura Perry, former transgender, yesterday. But the radical gender theory is in the heartland and it's in smaller school districts. That's the takeaway from that. Let's talk about some of the bullet points and the takeaways that you and I discussed. In the very first episode of Educated, we had to talk about Biden's student loan bailout. And the moral of the story is this is immoral. That's what I said at the very beginning. So, Katie, just some bullet points on this where a lot of people don't understand why it's wrong or why it's not constitutional to for a president, the it's it's just really amazing. One man, that's just a sign of a pen, and here we go. We've got almost $300 billion. Um, so share a little bit about what we discussed yesterday on Educated. Yes. If, if you haven't heard, you've been living under a rock at this point. You're probably better off for it. But <laughs> our President Joseph Biden, Joseph Robinette Biden, tried to make good on one of his campaign promises. And his idea was to ultimately cancel all student loans. But he knew that the general public, which is not insane, uh, would view that poorly. So after months and months of working, whoever is behind the scenes working, he was able to get approved or somewhat approved, I guess, the $10,000 in debt per borrower student forgiveness loan thing. So if you take out a federal loan, and these are for federal loans only, which is its own understanding of why the federal government got involved in student loans, but 
that for another time. But if you took out a, a, a federal student loan, um, you could get $10,000 in debt relief. But if you got a Pell Grant, um, you could get $20,000, so even more money. So these students who are already getting more money to begin with are, are getting even more money taken off. And how this is constitutional, well, I know the lawyers and all of the judges will get involved in this and mm-hmm. will determine if any of this truly, truly happened. But it is absolutely insane that adults are taking out loans, willingly, voluntarily taking yeah. out loans, and then the government is going to come in and say, you know what, we're sorry that you decided to major in gender studies and you don't have a job that makes up for the amount of money that you thought you were going to earn. So we'll just help you out. And by we, I mean the taxpayers, because that is ultimately what's going to happen. Yeah. We, the taxpayers, those of us who either took out loans and paid them back or didn't take out loans to begin with, will be held responsible for all these individuals. Yeah, it's it's amazing that even Nancy Pelosi last year, I think it was, said, no, the executive, you know, the, the president does not have authority to do that. It must be an act of Congress. And then Elizabeth Warren, a dad approaches her at a campaign uh, yeah. event and says, hey, I worked hard. We did it. We went about it the right way. We, we worked hard, paid off the student loans. Are we going to get any of that? She goes, of course not. So here, well, that just shows, is, go ahead. This, this, yeah, I was just going to say, this shows, and I think this is what you were going to say, how far removed these politicians are from reality. You have yes. to remember Elizabeth Warren. Oh, wait, wasn't that Yale University she was a professor at? Yep. Oh. So, uh, you know, Yale or Harvard, there's one of the two. She is coming, she, she is that typical, as they say, the typical liberal white woman who is trying to, you know, do right by all the sins of our forefathers. And so she is all high and mighty saying that, of course, we need these students to not have to pay back these loans, you know, and she actually says every time when we talk about education, you know, my daddy, my papa, or however she says it, uh, you know, couldn't afford to pay for my schooling. And I had back then tuition was only $50 a credit and all this and that and otherwise. But what she always fails to mention is that, yeah, but you were able to work and find a way to do it. Mm. And you, you were able to work your way up and ultimately become a professor at a prestigious university. What you're saying to these future generations is that you can't do it. You Mm -hmm. can't do it. So we're here to fix it for you. And when someday all of these politicians are finally gone, who's left in charge but the people who were already being taken care of this entire time? Yep. This is how you lose a nation. This is how you lose your republic. Takes one generation for them to just completely fall into smithereens, essentially. And, and so, the Elizabeth Warren, she, and this is, I do wonder why she didn't become president after that viral video hit hit the market. So, well, there are many I'm others like that. that. Father finally said it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. yeah, we're out of time already. But the Bible says the wicked borrows and does not pay back, and the Bible also says God is no respecter of persons. But this clearly shows favoritism for those young college students that maybe are responsible, maybe are irresponsible, but they're trying to buy votes with taxpayer money. It is should be unconstitutional. It should be illegal. But anyway, I'm not going to hold my breath on any follow-up on that. Katie Petrick, freedomproject.com. We're going to have to do this again, but thank you so much for your time. God bless you. Thank you, David. All right, bye-bye. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk about there's a time to preach and a time to fight a new movement. Also, the unknown cause of death in Canada is now the number one, now the top cause. We'll talk about that and what that means next on Stand Up For The Truth. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Well, Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin was quoted saying, and I'll provide the context in a minute. Of course, we've heard story after story of all these athletes dropping dead on the field, but we're supposed to ignore that, end quote. So all I did there, you fact-checkers, is quote Senator Ron Johnson. So now I'm going to tell you that I saw a video, and it's accessible on different uh, conservative media outlets, of athletes. Literally, it looks like they're either having heart attacks or their lungs are all of a sudden they can't breathe something, but they're dropping. Not of not all of them are dying immediately, but I mean these are some of the most fit human beings 
on the planet, uh, whether it's Olympic athletes or college athletes uh, or professional, you know, sports, and they're dropping. Why? We've never seen it happen this much. My question, and that's all I'm going to do is make a question so they don't delete our show, our podcast. Is there a correlation? I just want to encourage you to think and maybe spread the information. If you find it to be truthful, get it out there. When you see these things, because it's a head-scratcher, and we should also ask, why is the liberal media not talking about it? Why are they not promoting it? Why is it not being acknowledged? So uh, so let's go to this um, Canada story that I teased at the top of the podcast. Do you know what now is the number one cause of death? I mean, I've got one through ten here. Stroke is number nine. Um, pulmonary disease, number seven. Number four, uh, chronic uh, heart disease. Number three, COVID-19. Number two, dementia. Dementia has been the number one, and I, I know that's a condition. I don't, didn't realize that was a high cause of death. But you know what the number one cause of death is? Unknown causes. Ill-defined and unknown causes. And my question is, why do you suppose they're not being a little bit more specific or giving these unknown causes names or putting them in categories? Um, do we expect that, as one doctor, at least in this article, surmised that um, there will be deaths that are directly related to COVID, but there are many that maybe are not covid but then it's not heart disease, it's not dementia, it's not cancer, it's not other things. Well, what is it then? I'm not saying it. I'm making a correlation and asking a question. Is there any connection to recent policy or mandates that were put out by the globalist government and by our own administration? And what's the answer? If you ask most people in the media, Hollywood, our government, primarily the Democrat Party, and even a lot of health professionals, what is the answer to anything, all things COVID? There's only one answer, right? It's not to treat it at home. It's not to uh, strengthen your immune system and do immune testing and look at autoimmune disorders, and it's not going the natural route. So what is their answer? You know it. I'm not saying it, but you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. And because so many people have been injected, and a lot of the, these young people have, they've taken it because they they thought, okay, this is the only thing to do. And now we're seeing these concerns. Let's just let's just talk about Canada. This is happening. It's fact. Alberta um, concerns are being raised about a growing trend of deaths labeled as unknown causes, after an unprecedented increase in such deaths was recorded last year. Stop. Why is that relevant? Why is it relevant that in 2021, last year, they had such a spike in what they're now labeling as unknown causes of death, ill-defined and unknown causes of death? So this new category on autopsy reports and death records now tops COVID-19, which was added to Alberta's death tally in 2020. I'm just asking questions. Is there any correlation what could be connected to these unknown deaths, unknown causes? Could there be something that we might expect could be a cause, but they're not saying? Well, we know. The, the heart of man is wicked and evil beyond cure, the Bible teaches. And if they can lie, they will lie, even about something to do with life and death. So I'm just saying it's interesting that this new category that tops some of the charts there, particularly in a massive province in Canada, Alberta, is now, number one, ill-defined and unknown causes. Okay? I'm just saying. Now, I can share a personal story, uh, just briefly before we get to the next article, a personal story in that my wife is still, we're still looking for answers as far as um, after she was vaccinated a year ago, last July, she went to Toronto to visit her family. She couldn't get to Canada without taking the shot. So that's why she got it. I, I was not vaccinated. Um, so when she was in Canada, this was about a month, month and a half after she, she got the vaccine, um, she lived there all her life, Toronto. She was driving back one night, which she's done many, many, many times, 
on a route from her brother's house to her mom's house, the house she grew up in, which she's done hundreds of times. This was at night, a typical 20-hour car ride, took her almost two and a half hours because she got lost. She couldn't remember where she was. She's done that hundreds of times. Again, this was at night. Is there any correlation? Is there any correlation? What's the correlation? All of a sudden, she goes through the airport. She can't remember how to get to her gate once she checks in and has to have help at the airport. She couldn't remember. She was so confused. There was all these people around, and I'm checking in. What do I do now? They took my suitcase. I know that, but now where do I go? She was very confused, and then that caused anxiety with her at the airport. And then coming home, there she there was just a fear of new things, a, a con, the confusion about dates, numbers, calendars. She can't make an appointment. I have to make appointments for her. Is there any correlation to getting injected with a foreign substance, a new experimental gene therapy, which some some consider to be a vaccine? So I'm just saying, I'm asking a question. This is my personal experience with my wife. Is there any correlation? She can't work the stove a- anymore because she did that last fall. She was just trying to just boil some water to either make some pasta or some spaghetti or steam some vegetables, and she left it on the stove, and it burnt the, the, the pan, and, and she didn't understand how to shut it off because she got confused when she went back and saw all the gadgets. Is there any correlation? One more article from Canada after data shows uh, this is an article. I'm just saying that this is the headline. After data show vaccinated at higher risk of dying from COVID, Canadian province ends monthly reports. Now, this is in Manitoba, Canada, public health agency. Um, so data shows that those fully vaccinated for COVID-19 are at a higher risk of dying from the virus compared to unvaccinated individuals, health officials stopped reporting the data. A trend seen in other countries, including Scotland, the UK, and the US. So Manitoba is a population of 1.4 million. Uh, it was the first Canadian province whose public health agency reported data showing those who are fully vaccinated uh, for COVID-19 are at a higher risk of dying from COVID-19, which doesn't make sense because that's not what we were told. That's not what the media said. That's not what our government said. That's not not what the World Economic Forum said. That's not what the globalists said. That's not what Hollywood says. They're still putting out advertisements and Hollywood celebrities endorsing the vaccine. Get tested, get vaccinated. That's the solution to all of this. Are they lying? I'm just asking a question. Is there any correlation? Are we getting misinformation when they're saying what we're putting out? People like Rand Paul, God bless him. Remember when he was grilling Anthony Fauci? Um, and he was saying, so people have this natural immunity now. If they've had COVID, they have a stronger immune systems than some who have been vaccinated. And there's this science that backs that up. So he painted, he backed Fauci in a corner. But you'll never hear the media report fairly on that. My question is why? What's their stake in this? They're Democrats. They're part of the globalist movement, the Marxism in America. They're, they're part of this march through the major institutions in America. Okay, I know there's some Republicans and there's some conservatives in the media, probably 5%, maybe 10%. I know, in smaller markets. But our local media has been compromised. I've, did, I've written on that for over a decade. Anyway, let's moving on to the last article. And now... Um, I don't have to spend as much time on this because we had many of these men on the podcast stand up for the truth. There's a time to preach and a time to fight. We will never shut down our churches again. This is what hundreds of pastors from across the country are now saying. Because of how the American churches were declared non-essential and treated unfairly, in other words, discriminated against, when the Rona broke out a few years back. Some pastors are recruiting others to sign a document It's a statement called Acts 529, to keep their churches open. Commit, Christian leader, commit to doing the work of the church. Commit to doing the work of God. Commit to equipping the saints, feeding the sheep, and getting them active in the community. Commit to doing your job, please. The next time government tries controlling worship or shutting down services or saying 
church is, is non-essential, right? It's insignificant in this country. Are you kidding me? Have you read the Constitution or any of our founding documents? Do you know how we were founded? Do you know what men believed, most of them, who founded this nation? Do you know how we survived for 250-plus years? So pastors Bill Cook from Virginia, we had him on a month ago, Stephen Mannion of New York, they were on Standard for the Truth discussing the Acts 529 statement. But first, before I read that, I want to read the First Amendment of the U.S. Constitution, which states, Congress shall make no law respecting an an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Congress shall make no law, dot, 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 prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Of what? Of the Christian faith, of religion. Or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or of the right of the people to peaceably assemble. U.S. Constitution, friends, is it still the law of the land or not? I mean, a lot of people I know, and even our own government on the left, don't think the Constitution is the law of the land. They think it's a living, breathing, ever-changing document that needs to get up with the times. Um, so in early church days, where, where does Acts 5.29 come from? What's the context? The Jewish leaders were very powerful politically and religiously in, in Jerusalem, and they used their political power to arrest the apostles in the early church. They demanded they stop preaching about Jesus and his resurrection. Even though they were eyewitnesses, they said, you stop using that name preaching about Jesus, and Acts 5.29 said, But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. Acts 5.29. So these men of God are starting this new movement, trying to get pastors to say, We must obey God. We will keep our churches open. Hebrews um, 10.25 in the Bible encourages believers to stir up one another and to not neglect meeting together. In other words, keep gathering, keep assembling Keep praying, keep believing, keep doing the work of the church in your community. So kudos to these men. Um, and in the statement it says, where is it? We reject any presidential or gubernatorial decree requiring us to disobey the word of God. We will resist any attempt by a federal, state, or local official to restrict or prohibit the free exercise of our religion or place restrictions thereon. We affirm our submission to lawful civil authority as instituted by God himself. But when rulers exceed the scope of their constitutional and God-given authority, they act contrary to their office and the public good and affect the ruin and misery of society. So you can get more information on this in today's podcast notes at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Friends, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. The church must be the church. True believers must do the work God called us to do. That wraps it up. Sorry we had to rush through that last one. But hope you enjoyed the podcast. Remember to check out Educated, the brand new program, freedomproject.com. It was a blessing to have Katie Petrick on. Uh, Tomorrow you will hear from one of these pastors that was arrested up in Canada for keeping his church open. It'll be a rebroadcast of the podcast interview with James Coates of Grace Life Church and then Pastor John Haller on Thursday. God bless you, and as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.